Welcome to the Lems Aware Podcast. We've been waiting for you. My name is Kevin Fryert, and I will be your host. Lambert-Eaton Myasthenic Syndrome, also known as LEMS, is a rare neuromuscular disease that can have a profound effect on a person's mobility and quality of life. LEMS Aware was created to deliver relevant information, resources, and connections to patients and caregivers who may be living with or affected by LEMS. The LEMS Aware podcast lets you hear from people in the LEMS community on topics that matter to you. Welcome to the LEMS Aware podcast. We are so glad you have joined us. Today we are talking to Jenna, whose mom has LEMS and lives with Jenna now. I've spoken to other caregivers, but this is the first time I've spoken on a podcast to a child taking care of the parent. As you can imagine, everyone in the family unit is going to need to make some adjustments. So Jenna, tell us a little bit about yourself and your life in California before mom came and lived with you. Well, I've been in California now about 17 years, and time flies when you're having fun. I'm originally from North Dakota, and um moved out here because my husband is originally from here. So that is how I ended up in California is with my husband. Um, and then I, I work. So my current um, job, I am working with Starbucks. And I also help out at my daughter's karate studio. And then in my free time, I love being outdoors, whether it's white walks, bike rides, going to the beach, whatever it is, it's great climate for that. So I'm very, very lucky and blessed with that. Uh, Never thought I'd be near the ocean. So I I love that every part of my day. Wow. How close to the ocean are you? About 15 minutes. I used to travel to that area all the time. And there's the Torrey Pines Preserve there wonderful place to run and hike and you're right there you you like come over the little knoll and there's the pacific and you're just like wow it's so beautiful yeah never ends when you were there did you see the seals too at children's beach right yeah yeah that was always a fun thing to do is go down and see the seals and then go get some really good mexican food that we don't quite have here up in uh, connecticut Fair. So you you said you work at Starbucks now. What did you do for work um, before you moved out there? When I started working, it was with Montgomery Wards, believe it or not, a department store that goes way back. Um, but I love being around people. And so I've been a retail person my whole life. I like serving people and making those connections and helping somebody just have a better day, basically. Um, I also was with optometry offices too, but it's still always in in customer service and helping people. That sounds great. And it I can just tell by your personality, you're someone who likes to work with people. Um, so, but you didn't grow up there and you talked about how you love to do the outdoor things there, but you grew up in a much different environment in North Dakota. And so can you tell us a little bit about growing up there and especially memories of your mom during those times? Well, I uh, grew up in Bismarck, North Dakota, so the capital city. 
and I grew up on a farm. And so it, it wasn't a huge farm at that point anymore. We had a few cows, some horses, um, but still had alfalfa fields. And to this day, that is my favorite smell in the whole world is fresh cut alfalfa. Oh my gosh, it doesn't get better than that. I'm, I'm going to reveal a secret. Okay. I, I actually like the smell of manure. Um, when it's been spread and it's got that hay smell, yes. boy, that brings home farm memories for me. Yeah. Definite memories for sure. And it was a lot of time outside, 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 making mud pies, going on adventures. Um, we lived right outside of town and there was a forest on our property, like in the back. So you could go through the fields and go adventuring in the forest huge garden garden for days oh my gosh and we would harvest vegetables we would can corn beans all those things even pickle carrots pickle cucumbers and then we had a root cellar which is um this this basically this like room underground where you can put your root vegetables like potatoes carrots onion squash and it stays good all winter so that is a lot of my memories growing up my mom helping with that so canning making homemade jellies, syrups, jams, you name it. Um, and just just always on the go and outside, being outside with the world. It's just one of those like Americana almost. Wow, what a what a way, great way to grow up. And to know what a root cellar is and, and see that, that your vegetables say good. When my refrigerator won't do that today. And so did your mom work when when you were growing up or was she just a uh, a farmer's wife and mom no she also worked so she was a full-time nurse so that is how she retired and she the last about 10-ish 15 years she was a nurse educator um, and more human resources portion of it but she was a nurse and then she was also very active in our church so she played the piano and organ and would be on church council and things like that. So that would be our typical Sunday, uh, would be a lot of church time, um, Wednesday evenings, things like that. So she's a very busy go-getter for sure. And now she lives with you. So how did that come about? Well, that came about, so we moved out to California and it was a few years after we got here. Um, our daughter came around, so that's her granddaughter and her only granddaughter. And as she started getting older, we would, you know, say, well, hey, you know, when it's time, when you're getting a little older, why don't you come be with us? So you can experience better weather. Um, the climate is definitely kinder to her with her her things that she has going on health-wise. And at the same time, get to hang out with me and her granddaughter. So that's kind of how that all came about. And then just a few years ago, so let's see, it's 23. So in 19, right before COVID, the summer before COVID is when she made that move with us. Well, that's fortunate that it came before that and she was able to make the move. Who would have known that we would have been all separated? And she got to be, you know, with your daughter right through COVID, right in the same house. That's wonderful. So did you know she had lems? when she first moved in? No, we did not. Um, she had had a hip surgery, so she just had a hip replacement, and she had some arthritis issues going on and things like that, and her back had been troubling her. She'd had multiple back surgeries. 
Um, but we did not know that she had limbs when she moved in with us. So what were the first little inklings that maybe you should have been looking? Got it, got it. So the biggest thing for her when she got here um, was the middle of 2020. So thinking right around, excuse me, that COVID time, we noticed she was having these breathing issues. And it's not breathing when you're working out really hard. You know, you, you're you breathing hard, you're breathing fast, but you can get the breath out and you can get the breath in. It's like this constant movement. For her, it's almost like the breath gets stuck. It like gets stuck in her lungs. And at the same time, she doesn't have the air that she needs to be able to breathe well. And that's just from everyday life, literally walking six feet across the kitchen and this breathing, it was just alarming. And we were thinking, what in the world is this? This is something is going on that's different. We need to address this. We need to get this looked at. And so we started getting that looked at. But that was the big turning point for her was the breathing part. So so she moves in. You notice this breathing thing. That had to be just one of many changes. You guys were going through a big adjustment when you have someone else come live in your house. And so how has that gone? And, and how have you adapted family life just to having grandma there? Well, part of it was um, we wanted to have a space that could suit all of us, where she could have her own space, we could have our own space. So we did get a different house to accommodate this transition. Um, she has her own room. She has her own bathroom, her own exit to go outside in the backyard if she wants to. So still having that feeling of um, independence, almost like a Gen X home, if you've heard of those, where they've got like an ensuite kind of a thing. Um, and then, you know, of course we have our main living room, family room, kitchen where we're all hanging out together. And then we have our bedrooms upstairs. So I like to think of it as we're one unit, like we're one unit when we're having dinner, we're all having dinner. We're having to get dinner together. Um, when I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gone a lot <laughs> during the day. So I'm not here for breakfast and lunch usually unless it's my day off. But in the evening times when we can all come back together, dinner, try and watch a show together. Sometimes we'll play games. But I, the way I can describe it is it's one unit, but we still have our separate spaces when we need to be. We have our places we can go. So you actually changed the physical nature of your house. You've changed your meal times and everything. Um, what are some of the real positives of having grandma around? Oh, gosh. Well, I, I mean, selfishly, I'm happy to see my mom every day for sure. Definitely helps keep me grounded. It's great having her around with her granddaughter, too. So it's just being able to see aging. Um, I have great memories of my grandmother when I was growing up. The things that we would do after church on Sunday, we would pick her up and she would come out and hang with hang out with us for the day. We'd have lunch together. It's fun, and you don't you don't get those when you don't get to spend the time. So it's a great way for her to be able to spend the time with. So, so tell me about you know you said she was having trouble breathing. How did she actually get diagnosed? What was that journey like? 
So that was a journey. Um, so she went through multiple doctors. Um, she had tests done for her heart, trying to figure out if there was anything wrong with her heart. She had multiple tests done on her lungs, trying to figure out was was something with her lungs. Um, and then finally, when those were coming back, it's fine, it's fine. We're like, no, it's not fine. There is clearly something happening here. At one point, they um, directed her to a neurologist, and that's who was able to put all the pieces of the puzzle together and get her the diagnosis and then now um, start her treatment. So did they do testing to do the diagnosis, or this the neurologist actually was familiar with limbs and and saw what he saw or she saw? Yeah, you know, I honestly do not have that answer. I'm not sure. Um, I know that the neurologist was doing some kind of tests, but I don't remember the specifics of that to be able to answer that for sure. But she did have tests with the neurologist. Yeah, I, and it's it's finding that expert, and it's so hard to find the person who does that puzzle solving and figures out, wow, this this is something different here. It's also, when you said it, you had to keep saying, there's something really wrong here. That That's a tough thing to push through and advocate for and say, this isn't normal. Um, and I think one thing that really, in hindsight, benefited her is she had been going to her same doctors for many, many, many years. And when she moved here, she found herself in the position that she had to get all new doctors. And it, I mean, starting over, those appointments would be an hour long, um, spending time with the doctor, finding out about history, finding out about questions. And so, you know, it, it was different people looking at different things too. And I think because of the tests that she had already had done, it helped pinpoint her into that direction. Wow, that that is really difficult. I hadn't thought of that at all. Making the move, and just so everyone you would go to for healthcare is all new, new dentists, new doctors, um, everybody, and it really is. You have to bring all that history with you, and and be able to explain it, and why something's different now. So, once she was diagnosed and you knew what was going on. Then did that change kind of your your family unit again? Because now, you know, mom's got something um, instead of it just being she's having trouble breathing. I think that it didn't really change anything. Um, if anything, you know, it's not a fun diagnosis to get for sure. However, at least now you have a direction you can go, you have treatments you can try, and there's an explanation of why these things are happening or what is going on. And so it was a, a bit of a relief, too. Oh, I imagine so. Um, it's, it's, um, in one of our other episodes, one of the patients, we've even got him quoted saying, you know, it has a name. I know what it is. And it gives you a way to, to move forward. Yeah, and because that was very, very frustrating for her because, you know, some of the doctors weren't necessarily as, as empathetic, right? No, you're fine. You should be grateful that your heart's as good as it is. Your heart isn't the 85-year-old heart I would be expecting. And it's like, okay, that's great. However, that's you don't, you don't walk in my shoes every day and try to do something and then you can't breathe. So 
as a mom yourself, you, you expect to be caring for and nurturing your daughter. But having to take care of your mom must feel like total role reversal. Um, that had to be an experience in itself to kind of say, I can take care of you, mom, that first time. What's that been like? Well, I think what's great is my mom is a go-getter. So she is still very dependent and able to do most things herself. Um, there's things that I help with, for instance, laundry, or when I'm cooking dinner, I'll do dinner. And then it's more of a transition of, I want to do things for her because I would rather her do things for herself differently. Example, she's a fall risk. She's older. If she falls, something is going to happen, and I would prefer her not to do that. So I prefer her not to load the dishes in the dishwasher. It just, to me, that benefit is not worth the risk. And instead, I would rather her use that energy to go on a little walk or do some of her arm exercises to keep her body as fit as she can. And just talking with her, it's more of a, let me know what I can do for you. And she communicates that with me because I know at some point I am going to age, I am going to be older, and I want my daughter to do the same for me. And then on the flip of that, if I still see her struggling with something, then it's having that conversation of mom, I love you. I really need you to stop doing that. Like you could get hurt. It's not worth it. Let's do something different. So just being able to have those conversations too is important. You just have to communicate through it. And like I said, I let her be the guide on that. And my goal for her is she's here. I can help when she needs it. And I want her to be as independent as long as possible. That's our goal. And so what is what has she done for her independence? What kinds of things does she do when you're at work? What's mom what's mom doing? Does she need a little somebody watching her? You know, sometimes <laughs> she can get in some trouble. So for example, she is lift. She knows how to use that. She has the app. She can go anywhere she wants, when she wants. Um, if I'm not able to take her to an appointment, she can use a lift to go to an appointment. And just thinking about, well, what can I do? So shopping isn't always the easiest thing for her. Um, but we do have uh, delivery services. So she can still go on to Target. She still can browse through the screen, put what she wants in the cart, and have that experience of sharp shopping. And then all of a sudden, it shows up at the door. And then I help her put it away. So you can get really, really creative. And she definitely, definitely has done that. So that's a, another one. And then just even a, adapting. So one of my, my favorite things is we were playing this um, board game and it's called right, left, center, and you use dice. So mom also has rheumatoid arthritis. So her hands are, are really impacted by that and was having trouble with the dice. And so one of my friends said, well, grab a cup. And we're like, what? She's like, yeah. So we put the dice in the cup and sure enough, no problems. So just being open-minded to adapt and think creatively about, well, okay, what can I do? Or how could I try something different so I can still do this? She's feisty. She's feisty. She figures out ways. Well, that's like really good news for people that you can adapt and you can do things. And I think it's a area that people don't think about earlier in life, you know, when your fingers are working well and when you can 
drive yourself or whatever. But if you start looking and saying, gee, what's a creative way I could make this easier? And start thinking about it earlier. And I think that something like LEMS just sort of forces it upon you too. Like, I've got to figure out a way to do this. And you do it. You, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So, so what's been the toughest part about caregiving for her? The toughest part is when I see her struggling and when I know she's hurting because I can't fix that. I can't make that go away. I can help her. Um, but that is definitely the toughest part for me, especially because she took care of people her whole life, whether it was me, whether it was my sister, my dad, the church, or even her profession being a nurse. She took care of people her whole life. And so it's 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 it can be really hard when I see her having struggles um, and when she's having a lemsy day. She, she picked that up from the dinner that we went to, the word lemsy instead of lousy. Say, I'm having a lemsy day. So then we just try and cheer her up with a, an old, one of her favorite shows or, or even if it's a coffee, something to try and just bring a little bit of cheer in. Does she offer you advice on how to take care of people from her experience that she, you could apply for her? You know, she does, actually. So that doesn't necessarily come up a lot, um, but she definitely can share things where this worked before and this could help now. So, for instance, things like space because she uses a walker, so how we need to sometimes space things. And you don't necessarily think of it until you're in the situation, right? Or like me, when she first moved in, I'm like, oh, what kind of bath mat should we get for your bathroom? And she's like, the smallest possible because it's not going to stay on the floor. I'm like, what do you mean it's not going to stay on the floor? And she's like, well, it can be a trip hazard. And I'm like, oh, never thought of that. Um, so it's like it comes up in when the moments are happening, if that makes sense. Well, and it's it's a good way to jointly problem solve. You know, you can you can ask her. So it, if you had a patient and they were doing this, what would you be looking for? <laughs> and, and and then she's the one saying, oh, yeah, that um, I need to figure out a way to play LCR or I need to play, um, you know, find a way to get around and lift is the way to do it. Um, and whatever comes up, you'll, you'll just keep problem solving. So she sounds remarkable, and you sound remarkable. And the way you guys have done this um, is really impressive. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Anything we haven't talked about? I would say just having some patience and empathy. And kind of what I shared before is uh, at some point, those roles are going to be reversed if I have it my way, I would like to make it, you know, to my mom's age and then some too. And just to remember that as she's aging, she also knows she's aging. And so I'm sure that there's times where that's frustrating for her too, not being able to do what she could do before, but just having that little bit of extra patience and empathy. And then the other thing is, is really making sure you take time to care for yourself as well. So yes, I work. Yes, I work at the karate studio. Yes, I help take care of my daughter and my husband. 
but I absolutely make sure that every day there's time for myself um, and, and my health. And so I'm an adamant exerciser. There's not a day that I goes by that I miss that. But whatever that self-care could be, it could be reading, it could be going on a walk, it could be watching a show, but something where you prioritize a little bit of time for yourself every day so you can help those around you. That's great. I just, I thought of another question I'd like to ask. So how have you incorporated your daughter into this? And, and what have you seen her learning because of this situation? Well, so she has, um, so like typically her household chores, one of them is she sets the table, she takes care of the dishes, she gets mom's milk and yogurt every night for dinner, those kinds of things. Um, she will also help with mom's laundry or if um, we need to go to the mailbox, she'll grab mom's mail. Uh, those little tasks that she can do that also help too. So she's very involved. Spoken like someone who grew up on a farm doing chores. Um, <laughs> they got to have kids doing chores and they're simple things that are caring for other people right there. So, yeah. And it's like, and it's like, if you don't, that's to me in my mind, I'm like, I'm just setting her up for a rougher time when she turns 18 or when she goes to try and get a job, like they want to do stuff too. They want to be a part of it. Oh, I'm sure they do. Um, I'm sure she's just thrilled to be able to help any way she can. So I want to thank you so much, Jenna. This has been a great conversation. And I know it's going to, it's going to help a lot of the folks in the LEMS community who are caring for their spouse, their parents, their child even, um, learning sort of the creative way you've gone about this and the way you've molded your family around it. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me here. Thank you for listening to the LEMS Aware podcast. You can learn more about Lambert-Eaton myasthenic syndrome and how to get involved in the LEMS community at www.lemsaware.com. LEMS Aware, turning LEMS knowledge into strength. The LEMS Aware podcast is produced by Salem Oaks, empowering patients to shape the future of medicine.